this is Brennan Spiegel, co-editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Gastroenterology, together with my co-editor, Dr. Brian Lacey from the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. And today I'm pleased to have as our guest on this podcast, Dr. Shanti Eswaran, who is associate professor at Michigan Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology. Thanks for being with us today. Absolutely, Brennan. Thanks for having me. Um, and also on the behalf of my co-authors as well, thanks for publishing our manuscript. Yeah, absolutely. So you did this project with Bill Che at Michigan and Samuel Che and Kenya Jackson. And uh, the four of you published this paper, which we thought was very clinically relevant, which is why we're bringing it to the podcast this month, entitled Exploratory Comparative Effectiveness Trial of Green Kiwi Fruit, Psyllium or Prunes in Patients with Chronic Constipation. Constipation, extremely common problem, generally in primary care, but something we certainly see very frequently in GI. And often we think about pharmacotherapies, and there's a long list of those, but patients are often interested in natural remedies or non-pharmacological remedies. And in the intro to the paper, you talk about how, you know, a lot of patients are interested in understanding, should they use prunes or kiwi fruit or fiber. So tell us about why you did this study and why did you choose these treatments in particular? Thanks. So one of the reasons why we decided to look at these particular non-pharmacologic or diet-based interventions is because, as you said, the medical treatments are not all that great. You know, you have a therapeutic gain of about 7 to 15% of many pharmacologic laxatives over placebo, that's really not all that impressive to many of us. And also patients are really increasingly concerned about the long-term safety of certain medications, especially laxatives, and they really have a more growing demand and interest for natural solutions, quote unquote, natural solutions for chronic GI conditions specifically. Why do we choose prunes, kiwi fruit, and psyllium fiber? Well, I think that at least for prunes and psyllium, those are kind of time-honored and classic approaches, non-pharmacologic approaches to chronic constipation. And then kiwi fruit has actually been used for a long time for chronic constipation and other GI issues or conditions, but not necessarily in North America, really more in Asia that it has like a more robust following. And there's been a, several studies looking at the effectiveness on different GI conditions of kiwi fruit, um, but nothing that's been done in a North American population. And so we thought we would try and figure out at least preliminarily, you know, where kiwi fruit has a place for the treatment of constipation. Well, I personally love kiwi fruit, and I think probably uh, a lot of our listeners do, although I can't speak for everyone listening. Uh, it always tastes to me kind of like some combination of strawberry and banana. I don't know. But what is it about kiwi fruit that might make it helpful? Does it have certain ingredients? What is it about this fruit? Well, certainly healthy. You know, it has uh, vitamin C, it's fiber rich, and it has one kiwi fruit has about three or four grams of fiber. Kiwi fruit is also low FODMAP, and compared to other fruits that may also have fiber in them, they have relatively low amounts of sugar. So it's kind of a attractive way to get that extra fiber if that's what you're looking for. That also, by the way, has a digestive enzyme. It's called actinidin that can break down protein and possibly facilitate laxation in some way. So probably it helps in many ways, but the exact mechanism is probably some combination of all of those. So it has some attributes that are really appealing. I mean, it tastes good. At least I think it does. And it is low FODMAP. So does that imply that it might not cause as much bloating, distension, discomfort as other types of FODMAP containing fruits? I think potentially, and that was certainly borne out in our study, compared to the psyllium and the fiber, there was 
significantly less bloating in the kiwi fruit group. Only about 10% of patients had an increase in their bloating compared to baseline. Yeah, well, you're jumping to the big reveal. So we're, we're setting up here with the Kiwi uh, attributes. But yeah, like you say, in this study, we'll, we'll get to it a little more detail in a second. That's one of the bottom lines is you found some differences in that that really bothersome symptom. So let's talk about the study and we can hear more about that outcome and, and some of the others. This was a randomized controlled trial, right? It was a study where patients with chronic constipation using Rome 4 criteria a chronic idiopathic constipation, correct me where I'm saying anything wrong here, were assigned to either kiwi fruit, prunes, or psyllium and one-to-one-to-one. So far, so good? It was both functional constipation as well as IBS constipation, but the majority of them were not IBS patients. That's a very important distinction. Now, this will kind of get to what the primary outcomes are too. So tell us about what was your main outcome in this study. Our primary outcome was improvement in complete spontaneous bowel movements by at least one bowel movement per week over the majority of the weeks in the study period, which was four weeks. And we also had multiple secondary endpoints, including total number of bowel movements per week, improvement in bristol stool form, change in bloating, completeness of bowel movement, pain, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So for those that aren't as familiar with constipation trials, the CSBM our complete spontaneous bowel movement is a time-tested, time-honored outcome measure. And it's kind of interesting. There's BMs, there's SBMs, and there's CSBMs. So the BM is, well, I passed something. Spontaneous bowel movements means I passed it without having to use a laxative or manual manipulation or something like that. And the complete spontaneous bowel movement is sort of the nirvana of bowel movements, where not only did you have a bowel movement and not only did you need to do something to have it, but it was complete. You felt like everything came out very satisfying. That's your outcome, right? It's not just that you're stooling more, but you're kind of feeling good about it. That's the complete spontaneous bowel movement. Absolutely. All right. Maybe you wouldn't, I don't know if you would have put it that way, but that's, that's how I think about the CSBM. So with that in mind, tell us about doses of the three treatments that you used. All three of the group ingested the same amount of fiber per day, which was six grams per day. Prunes um, had, again, six grams per day, which is 100 grams, and that's 12 prunes, usually between 10 and 12 prunes, depending on the size. Psyllium was, again, six grams of fiber per day, and they could break that up if they wanted to. And then uh, kiwi fruit was two uh, green peeled kiwi fruits daily. And why did you choose six grams? We chose those six grams of fiber per day because that's often what the recommended dosage is from the psyllium manufacturer and also what then looks at in comparative efficacy trials. Right. Yeah. So often we talk about needing, you know, 20 or even 30 grams a day to sort of treat significant constipation, but you think these lower doses are adequate? I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, we can get to our results in a second, but you know, I think that all fiber is not created equal. So you can have certain types of supplementary fiber versus dietary fiber. They're soluble and insoluble fiber. But I think that if you have the right amount of a specific type of fiber, in addition to what people are also getting from you know their general diet, that may be enough to confer some benefits. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they were enrolled in the trial and you followed them for four weeks. And so what were your main results? Our primary endpoint, which was that complete spontaneous bowel movement per week endpoint improved or increased in all three groups. It improved most in the prune group and then about 60%, 65%, similar improvement in the psyllium group. The kiwi fruit had an percentage that improved by about 45%. So it was somewhat less numerically compared to the prunes in the psyllium group, um, but that difference was not statistically significant. 
Okay. So statistically, they were pretty equivalent. Is that kind of the bottom line? Absolutely. All groups did improve for their primary endpoint, but numerically, there was some less improvement in the kiwi fruit group compared to that in the prunes and psyllium. However, that, that difference was not statistically significant overall. So that sometimes when that happens, you wonder, okay, well, is this a sample size issue? Would a larger study maybe have shown separation, statistical separation, where the kiwi did not perform as well as prunes or psyllium? And you know, this study, you ended up with 79 randomized subjects who were divided more or less equally. I say that because there were 30 in the kiwi fruit arm and 23 in the psyllium arm. And although it was a one-to-one-to-one randomization, that doesn't always work out perfectly. So what do you think? Was the sample size large enough to say that these were sort of equivalent? Or do you think a larger study might have found something different? I think that's a great question and probably why we label the title of our paper exploratory. You know, it was a relatively small sample size for how common this condition is. But, you know, I think that regardless of whether or not there would have been a statistically significant difference, there was still overall improvement compared to baseline for all three groups. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, of course, you didn't have placebo in this study. So it's a comparative effectiveness study, which, which is, by the way, worth mentioning because those studies are what we need. We don't use placebo, or at least not really purposefully use placebo typically uh, to treat people. We use active therapy. So that's a real strength we thought of this study when we read it. Uh, but that said, we don't know how you know, placebo might have also gotten better over time if there had been a fourth arm. Nonetheless, you do have other outcomes, those secondary outcomes that kind of help color the story a bit more. And maybe you want to highlight any key findings. We talked a bit about bloating earlier, whether it's bloating or anything else you think our listeners should know about. I thought it was interesting about some of the secondary endpoints like bloating, abdominal pain, and discomfort is that in general, all three arms, they didn't necessarily change a whole lot. And they didn't even necessarily increase, at least when people were entering their symptom scores on a daily basis, except for the fact that Kiwi did seem to improve bloating by a statistically significant amount, although difficult, a little bit hard to say if it clinically improved, but bloating did improve from a score of about 4.2 to 3.5. And that was statistically significant. Um, there was really no statistically significant changes in abdominal symptoms, bloating scores, or abdominal pain in any of the other groups or endpoints. Similarly, there was improvement in stool consistency as well as straining among all three groups over the time period. So again, that shows that there is improvement in all three groups, but again, it's difficult to at least tell from this the true comparative effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, you also looked at satisfaction with the therapy. And I mentioned earlier a couple of times that I, I happen to like kiwi fruit, and it seems like many of your patients did too. So what did you find when you asked specifically about their satisfaction with the treatment that they received? Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, even though patients with psyllium and prunes had the most improvement in their constipation symptoms, significantly fewer of them really expressed happiness that they were randomized to that treatment arm. So in the psyllium and prune groups, um, just less than 50% were happy with their treatment or satisfied with their treatment compared to almost 70% of those in the kiwi-free group. Mm -hmm. And you looked at adverse events, bloating is one we talked a bit about, but in terms of serious adverse events, none were reported in this study. And that's kind of what we would hope. And one of the reasons maybe we use natural remedies, although natural remedies can have side effects as well. Mm -hmm. So we kind of put this all together, think about 
people listening to this, they're taking care of patients with chronic constipation. They know their patients are interested in natural remedies. They're listening to this discussion. Should they start recommending kiwi fruit or prunes or psyllium? What is the take-home message for the listeners? Well, I think that it definitely gives some very compelling evidence that this is something that one can offer to their patients as like one of many possible natural remedies. I think it's important to point out that the majority of patients that we had in our study were actually treatment naive for constipation. So for the primary care physician or someone who's truly only interested in dietary or natural remedies for this chronic condition, then kiwi fruit, in addition to prunes and psyllium, are good options. But I think it'd be really interesting to look further to see what places these remedies or treatment options have in the patients that we see most frequently in our clinics as gastroenterologists who usually aren't these treatment naive patients. Yeah. And of course you didn't study those patients here, but one questions, one wonders whether let's say we're using, I don't know, linacletide or polyethylene glycol. Is there any harm in adding kiwi on top of that? I mean, I say I, I like the study because I never recommend kiwi, not because I don't want to, I just don't think to, it's not something I personally think about. And this study opens my eyes to kiwi fruit as an evidence-based, at least with this data, treatment, whether it's a primary treatment for maybe a more primary care population or adjunctive treatment, which again, you didn't study here, so I don't want to get too far over my skis, but why not add kiwi fruit if people like it and they're satisfied with it and it's a low FODMAP fruit, bloating is lower, why not add it on top of you know traditional medical therapies? What do you think about that? I think that's absolutely an option to kiwi fruit a day, keep the doctor away perhaps. <laughs> um, and I think that it's palatable, it's fairly widely available, and there's a pretty low downside. And my last question is, you looked at IBS patients here and functional constipation patients. Do you think there's a difference? I mean, it's sort of a small sample size to look at subgroups. But did you notice that there was any difference between these groups? And more generally, is this an IBS therapeutic as well? Is it really just to address the bowel frequency and form part, not so much the abdominal pain and sensory component of IBS? I think that a dedicated study in IBSD patients is probably what we need here to answer that question. Fortunately, only about 10% of our study population was IBS with constipation. And we also specifically excluded patients with severe IBS. And so I think that the numbers were probably too small to make any significant conclusions based on that. But when we did look just at those patients, there wasn't any difference in their response. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that our listeners are taking close notes and maybe try kiwi fruit on the way home or, or later today to remind yourself of how delicious and nutritious these fruits are. I've got, I'm really going overboard on how much I like kiwi and, uh, and think about whether this may be useful for our patients. So I want to thank you and your co-authors, Samuel Che, uh, Bill Che, Kenya Jackson, for submitting this very interesting study to the Red Journal and for being with us on today's podcast. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks so much. So on behalf of our co-editors and uh, editor-in-chief, Brian Lacey, this is Brennan Spiegel signing off for this month's podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, be safe and be well. Be well.